0: We're building a confidence revolution. This confident, brave, and empathetic, oh, hopeful. You're oh. upfront woman. Share, <laughs> reflect, and think around. around. Here to change confidence, not women. Hi friend, welcome to this week's Upfront Moment. Today I am joined by Millie Tamati, the founder and the CEO of Generalist World. When asked to write her own job description for a mental health startup following a squiggly career path, Millie realised she didn't want to be defined by a list of bullet points, and instead she became the director of Miscellaneous. This bold act of authenticity sowed the seed for Generalist World, a global community connecting and providing support For an underserved and misunderstood group of people just like her Generalists Millie's now on a mission to change how the world sees generalists And how generalists see themselves In this conversation we talked about the power of naive optimism We talked about changing narratives, career paths, turning challenges into opportunities And the power of building businesses that are women owned and women operated I hope you love this conversation. Let's go. Welcome to Upfront Moment, Millie. I'm so happy to see you. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. A little damp. It's very, very uh, wet up here in Scotland today, but overall spirits are still pretty high.
0: <laughs> good. And you've got your red, your red jumper on, very on brand. Love to see it. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly tell us tell us about you and your work and your mission around generalist world
1: yeah so i guess the when you zoom out and look at it i've been a generalist my entire life although i did not have the language to describe it until about a year and a half ago so i'd spent the first kind of 8 years of my career being that person in a company or an organization who could get given anything and I would just go and figure it out. I would pull teams and processes and products together. I was also the ideas person where they're like, oh, we're we're stuck. We need to get unstuck, bring Millie into it. And so I had absolutely no idea how to explain the skill set. I just knew that I was having the most fun and was feeling the most fulfilled at work when I was allowed to work in these positions, which is probably why I was drawn to starting my own company. I've been working in startups for eight years, and I just love the the freedom and the pace that comes with creating something out of nothing. I think the the real catalyst for Generalist World was my previous role. I was working for a mental health tech startup, and my contractor title was the Director of Miscellaneous, which is honestly, like really forward thinking for the time. I had never come across a position titled like that where they they saw my skill set and they were like, don't change anything. This is the value that mm-hmm. you bring to this company. And that was the catalyst. I just realized that if this one company can see the value, there must be others. And the more I started digging into it, the more I started to see the bigger picture, the much bigger opportunity, which is when you have diversity of thought in a team, when not everyone approaches something the same way, when you have a really healthy mix of people who fall on the generalist end of the spectrum and the specialist end of the spectrum, when you put them in a room together and help them collaborate, that's when you can move, you know, further and faster. And so I got really, really, really obsessed with this idea that, generalists are super important just as important as specialists but there's been this really negative connotation of like just a jack-of-all-trades forever Mm -hmm. and so I took it upon myself to really go and fly that flag and change that because I I really believe this is important.
0: Amazing and you've built your own business you've built a community and you have a product and we'll get into that in a bit but I know that one of the biggest barriers and the one that's often most cited that prevents women in particular from building their own business or starting their own thing is lack of confidence and of course that's what we live and breathe here up front so I would love to hear your story of like where where did you get the confidence to start Journalist World was it something you had to actively work on and think about or was the confidence already there like talk me through those early days
1: yeah I mean, it all starts like years ago, right? This has been years in the making. It's easy to look at generalist world and be like, well, Mm -hmm. she pulled that off pretty quickly and pretty easily. But it has been eight years of doing reps. So Mm -hmm. of being involved in startups, of taking risks, of basically like shoulder barging my way into interesting projects and honestly taking like, you know, sacrifices in terms of like, lower pay and mm-hmm. risk that the startup won't actually take off. But I really see my 20s, I saw my 20s, they have now passed uh, <laughs> as the time to experiment and to mm-hmm. and to play and to to get really, really good at building relationships of which I think relationships have kind of been one of the catalysts to success because you can always pull back on them. And so when I look back at the early days of Millie, you know, when I first started getting into startups when I was around 23, 24, I carried with me a certain amount. I wouldn't say it was confidence, but it was certainly naive optimism Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: I just, you know, figured it would all be fine. It would all work out. And I think that attitude is actually really, really valuable, especially when you're getting started Mm -hmm. um, because it gives you kind of like a false sense of confidence in a really good way. I guess it's the fake it till you make it. And I think the key there is just getting those repetitions in. It's like, if you want to be good at anything, you got to do it a lot of times before Mm -hmm. it starts to feel easy and you can start to feel like you're in flow with it. I also think a kind of a key that isn't often talked about was that adjacently to this work of, you know, sharpening my skills and startups and building businesses I was also doing loads of self-work, therapy, journaling, really deep introspective reflection on who I am as a person, what I value and the kind of impact I want to have on the world. Uh, I think that kind of gets overlooked sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're so focused on building these kind of skills like marketing or development or sales, whatever it might be. But I've come to realize that if you want to build a business that lasts a really, really long time, you've got to be like in a great frame of mind. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think that healthy founders build healthy businesses. So that is even though, you know, especially the first kind of year of getting something off the ground can be really stressful and you feel like you're getting pulled in a million directions What I've realized and what I've noticed with Generalist World, which has been different to the other businesses I've built in the past, has been that I have not let my priority for my mental health and my physical health and my personal relationships, basically like my life outside of business, Uh I've not let that slip. That is just like a non-negotiable because like, what's the point? Otherwise, you know, you build this huge business, but then you're really miserable and it doesn't feel that fulfilling. So my personal thesis on building business is that I want it to last a really long time. I want this to be, you know, decades. I want this to be like Mm. a legacy. And to do that, it's a marathon and you have to have a healthy body, healthy mind, and a strong support system around you to really be able to pull that off.
0: So refreshing and inspiring because I think for me, I definitely learned that lesson the hard way, like built my Mm -hmm. first business when I was 23 and, (laughs) you know, actually ended up in in hospital with stress and all sorts of, you know, my body just saying you can't work at this pace. Yeah. And I think it's probably only now where I think up front's like my sixth or seventh business, yeah, where I'm really mindful mm-hmm. and intentional, definitely don't always get it right and no. not in a place where I can say that I'm always happy with the balance, but it's something yeah. that I'm really mindful of. You do have to make I think it's about intentionality. It's like being mm-hmm. really intentional around yes I could go on that trip and do that keynote and go to this gig but what will the trade-off be will the trade-off yeah. will be that's four nights where I don't put my wee boy to bed that'll mm-hmm. be exhausted for three days when I come back you know it's yeah. I think also for me having a family makes those decisions much more urgent you know because it's not mm. just about you anymore because mm-hmm. your health affects others and similarly when you have a team it's like your team needs you to be in a good place they need you to be healthy and strong because they need you to lead them yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. your business needs you and I think that can can also feel hard right it's a lot of pressure I think for one person yeah. to hold
1: I think I kind of look at it like it's in the best interest of everyone else. Cause sometimes, you know, especially as women, we carry this thing on our shoulders where we're constantly thinking about how oh well, how's this going to affect everyone else? What's the impact going to be on everyone else? And I've come to have a bit of a switch in my head where I'm like, well, this is certainly in my best interest and therefore it is actually in the best interest of my team, of my community, of my relationships that I am in the best health that I can be to keep doing this in the long term.
0: So I'm curious to know more about how you see generalists and being a general play out in the workplace when it comes to men and women. Like, do you see a difference between genders when it comes to being a generalist?
1: That's a great question. I guess I'll caveat this by saying that the work that I'm doing is unlike any work I've done before in the sense that it's kind of in this blank slate where I, there isn't lots of like research and papers Mm -hmm. and like information on this. Like when I really started looking into this, I mean, there wasn't even content like Mm. essays and articles. This is it's really this generalist movement and subset of people has been completely overlooked forever. So I just like to caveat that Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I'm about to say is like, Anecdotal from what I have seen in the community. And I'd also like to say that, you know, I would love to understand this more from what I've seen in generalist world. There's actually a pretty healthy, even split across genders. Uh, I'm not sure though if that is a true representation or if that's just kind of how the cookies crumbled so to speak mm-hmm. of how people have found us and it just is this kind of healthy diversity of gender so I don't know I would love to I guess do some proper research we've had some research done uh by someone in the community who's this like incredible neuroscientist artist researcher mm-hmm. tech entrepreneur like incredible woman Erica Erica Warp she was leading some initial research uh into understanding like who is a generalist what Mm -hmm. are the patterns what are the things that connect us and so for example anecdotally what we saw was higher than average rates of neurodiversity Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: was a really interesting finding and it's it's I'm kind of in this frustrating position where I know there is proper research to be done into things like gender background neurodiversity for example. But to do that research and to do it well takes loads of resource, essentially. Of course. So there's a lot of question marks and I am a enormous proponent of, you know, bringing other women up with me. So I would love to understand this split to really... Figure out how we can best support, and if there is specific things we can be doing to make mm-hmm. sure that the doors are opening in an equitable way for everyone, then I, w- I would love to understand that.
0: Well, any academics listening who fancy a new <laughs> project, you can get in touch with Millie. What? What's the so your mission is to make it more known that generalists are a thing that should be valued and appreciated. What's the end goal behind your work?
1: Yeah. I really believe that there are huge, meaty, complex problems that are happening in the world today.
0: Uh-huh. Everything,
1: you know, climate change is a great example. we got, we're soon going to be seeing the effects of that through like, you know, climate migration. We're going to have millions of people uh-huh. migrating across the world because their homes are now underwater or on fire, you know, like really stressful, anxiety inducing problems, really complex And so when we take that as an example, I believe that we need interdisciplinary thinking, different ways of approaching problems to be able to solve this. And I think where generalists are really, really interesting in this kind of like as a piece of the puzzle is when you have diverse experiences and knowledge, and maybe these things look seemingly unconnected. Maybe you've worked in an industry over here and an industry over here. That gives you a unique vantage point that a specialist, and I will be really clear, we need specialists. Like we we mm-hmm. need those folks with like super deep, deep expertise, but we also need people who can see things from different angles. And so my mission with Generalist World is to not only change the narrative that a generalist is unfocused or can't go deep because that's simply not true. You know, we have folks in the community with their PhD, as an example, and mm-hmm. to be able to bring them together, give them a platform and really start to untangle these systems and these organizational structures that are incredibly old school. It's like, you know, there's there's kind of one hierarchy and you get more and more and more narrow as you go up that hierarchy. And my question and my belief is that your career can be a process of expansion. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a process of getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's it really comes back to that diversity of thought. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm simply saying it's a spectrum and both are valuable and generalists haven't had the airtime that they deserve really, ever.
0: <laughs> mm. And I love this idea of career expansion. It reminds me of the great work that Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis do at Amazing F, where they talk a lot about yes. squiggly careers. And yes. they've done, they're doing a brilliant job of making that concept become more mainstream and become part of kind of organisational lexicon across public, private mm-hmm. and third sector. What would you... Like how, what would you say to folks who want to have that expansion and want to experiment and have those squiggles, but just don't have the confidence? You know, there's a lot of fear there, there's resistance, there's excuses, you know, it'll be different for everybody, but what would you say to those folks?
1: This is why Generalist World exists. So one of, I guess there's two sides of it. One is this educational side, which is where we're publishing weekly content all around this how to's deep dives we are looking at you know basically leveraging the wisdom of people who have already done it and amplifying their story giving them a microphone and sharing their stories so Mm -hmm. the educational side it's completely free to access all of that content and then the community is for folks who want to go deeper who want to have this essentially on demand support that's been like professionally developed, you know, there's, there's multiple employees who are working on this community. So it's a very, it's a professionally developed space. And what we do is we're bringing people together and bringing people together to share their experiences, to swap notes and to help them keep moving further and faster So I think there's huge value. It really comes back to representation. You can't be what you can't see. And so a big part of what we're doing is helping people see Mm -hmm. that this is a valid and a valuable path and bringing it all together in the one space so that if people are curious, if people want to know how to navigate this for themselves, Generalist World is becoming and hopefully will continue to be that kind of like premier hub of where you can access this information.
0: Great. And how do you see confidence showing up in in your community and the conversations and the challenges that people share? Is that a theme that feels present for you in your work?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that generalists probably face imposter syndrome more than the average, reason being. It kind of comes back to the repetitions, right? So if you're going head-to-head with someone who has 10 more years of experience even if you have all of this other knowledge and skills you can feel lesser less than there's a a testimonial that always stands out to me from someone called Nick Nomad who was a very early member of Generalist World and it said that he had made more progress in the last few months being a member than in the last 20 years which Really, like I think it comes down to a big piece of the puzzle is the validation piece where when you're a when you realize that this is a feature like not a bug, you can really lean into that, mm-hmm. and you know you're then not trying to become a someone else's shape, you're able to really lean into your own shape, and I think that's then a cycle where. The more you're able to lean into your own unique skill set, the more confident you just naturally become because it feels right. You're not trying Mm to mold into another shape. So I think it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's where there's huge value, whether you find it in the generalist world community or other communities, that there's huge value in finding your people and finding and feeling validated and feeling like you belong and feeling like your shape is absolutely valuable and needed in the world I think that breeds confidence
0: and let's think about your confidence like what's your how do you prepare for high stakes moments Mm -hmm. like giving maybe giving presentations or talking on podcasts you know whatever that might be for you like what does your kind of self-talk yeah preparation look like
1: Oh, I remember my very first podcast that I was a guest on. I was terrified. I was so nervous because (laughs) you're super conscious that every word is going to be recorded. I think it was my husband that gave me the advice of being like, this is a conversation. Uh Just think of it. Don't think of it as a podcast. Think of it as a conversation. I also like to think of things instead of them feeling like challenges. I like to think of them as feeling like opportunities like I get Mm -hmm. to do this rather it's the same thing as when you're like I have to go to the gym but it's like no no I get to go to the gym it's it's this little reframe I also think that I'm quite new honestly to like public speaking and it's really been since generalist world that this is all these doors have just kind of started opening and I struggled with the confidence piece at first because I was sharing the stage with people who had been doing this for 10, 15 years, Mm -hmm. who had, who had so much speaking experience where I was brand new. And what I realized is that what I quote unquote lacked in, uh, experience of speaking on stage, I could bring in energy and personality And it's something, the feedback I get again and again from podcasts and panels and discussions is they were like, wow, like you were really, really genuine and you brought great energy to that. And I think Mm -hmm. that is two things that anyone can do, right? You can make sure you're well-rested and you do like a little hype-up dance before the podcast (laughs) or some big breaths before the podcast or the talk. And I think the genuine piece I always almost like laugh a little bit, a bit about this one because people say it all the time that felt really genuine. And I think it's kind of sad in a way, because it's maybe a testament to the fact that a lot of what we see these days isn't genuine, but what does it mean to be genuine? Just show up and be honest. And again, don't try and squeeze yourself into this shape or this box that doesn't actually fit you because what you are saying, your unique perspective and your unique point of view and experience and knowledge and skills will resonate deeper if you're just being yourself. I think, I mean, we, you know it, Well, I know it. We when Whenever we listen to podcasts or videos, you can see when people aren't actually being themselves and For me, at least, it has been a huge payoff to just show up and not try and fit the mold of what I think a, you know, someone hosting a panel should look and sound like and instead Mm -hmm. just show up and fully be Millie and be as genuine as I can and bring great energy.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I think especially the energy piece, it's like you can always be aware of the energy that you're bringing into a professional space I think is a very as you say it's accessible to everybody but I think it's quite underrated in terms of the impact it can have you know when I think of the people that I really love working with and love collaborating with a big part of that reason is always their energy yeah it's a a powerful thing so what's next for for you in generalist world what's coming up?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I guess like we're about 18 months in and the first kind of six months was just that scrambling of like, what is this? Will anyone pay for this? (laughs) What am I doing? Did I really just quit my job? Help. It's that kind of scrambling. And then the next six months was uh, stabilizing. It was like, okay, Mm -hmm. these are the systems. This is how things work. This is the kind of business that we want to be building And I reached a point a couple of months ago, I was out on a walk. I'd take long, long walks through the forest. And I was, it was on one of these walks that I realized that everything, I felt like I was playing quite safe. Everything Mm. was ticking away very nicely. It was a really healthy, we had great like brand equity. Everything was going, it was nice, but it wasn't spectacular. And I felt like we were in a place to start swinging big. And it's almost like as soon as I had that switch in my mind, multiple doors started flying open and we're pursuing them. So one of them is really partnering with with organizations such as the London School of Economics, the Mm -hmm. London Interdisciplinary School, and building out this education program, really thinking what does it look like? for someone who's 16 years old to be introduced to this concept of a Mm. spectrum from generalist to specialist. Just a few weeks ago, we delivered this workshop to 116 year olds. And it it was incredible to kind of plant that seed, knowing that it is certainly not for everyone, but it certainly is for some. And I Mm -hmm. wish I had heard that when I was 16. So there's this whole educational piece where we're partnering with schools, universities, and corporates, And really building on our media, which it kind of feels like it has become, we're about to launch our own podcast. It has Mm -hmm. been requested, Lauren, I don't even know how many times, hundreds in the last 18 Mm -hmm. months, people are like, Millie, come on, come on. Where is the podcast? And it kind of just speaks to everything we've just spoken about, where there's huge power and representation. And what happens when finally you give this group of people who have been super overlooked and misunderstood you give them a microphone and you try and tap into like what are the lessons what are the wisdom what's Mm -hmm. working what do we need to collectively work on and I think the podcast I'm incredibly excited about to continue to raise this awareness and amplify generalist stories so that's kind of our big focuses at the moment
0: Great. Well, we look forward to the podcast. And so I'd love to ask you our final question, which I ask all our guests is when the team at Upfront, when we achieve our mission of supporting a million women with their confidence and their visibility and their leadership, how do you think the world would change from your vantage point?
1: Mm, Massively. I also love that you said when we achieve it that that's brilliant language that <laughs> i think it comes back to that that quote like a rising tide lifts all boats right mm-hmm. and i see it again and i see it in my own leadership like the diversity on the generalist world team which like by all accounts it's a small team we're bootstrapped we're self funded the whole way so it's a very small team but we are woman owned and operated we are literally a team of women and uh this is what happens. It's like because we have gone through this system where we probably have lost out, right? Women probably mm-hmm. have lost out at some point, whether that's in landing a job or getting paid an equal wage as maybe your male counterparts. So when the kind of power, when I see this position as being, you know, this leader building this company as a chance to change that. And I think when you put women and underrepresented founders in that position, there's a much higher likelihood that they're gonna continue to open the door and continue Mm -hmm. to raise that platform. I know for myself, that's just a non-negotiable for me. It's like, let's bring up, especially like, I mean, I live in this very, very rural environment where opportunities in tech Honestly, just don't exist. Everyone works in like very traditional kind of yeah. industries. And one of my dreams here is to be able to open the door for especially young women in the area. Um, and I'm working with two young women at the moment who both work in hospitality because up in mm-hmm. the Scottish Islands, that's kind of what you do. And they've never, ever been given an opportunity to come and work in a tech kind of mm-hmm. startup business. And I'm pulling them both in. And, you know, they're in their early 20s. Um, and, and I think that's an absolute game changer. If we can, to your point, empower a million women into these kind of positions, I think for those million, that's amazing. But I think what's even more amazing is the knock-on effect. If every if those one million then bring 10, 20, 50. Mm-hmm. Woman up with them, that's the butterfly effect, and that's when real change and systematic change happens. So, I'm just so delighted that you're working on this, and um, I'm behind you 100%.
0: Thank you. Well, here's to making the change we want to see in the world. Thank you so much for this conversation. I wish you all the very best of luck, and we'll put all the links to your website and how folks can join Journalist World in the show notes. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Lauren. That was fun. Bye. Bye. Hi, friend. A quick note from me to tell you all about our new charity bond. On the 6th of November, we are welcoming women, staff and volunteers from charities all over the world to take part in our six-week charity bond. You can enroll as many staff and volunteers as you wish. For only £1,000. We can't wait to support you. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Upfront Moment. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind you to follow Upfront on Instagram and join the other 5,000 women all over the world who get our weekly newsletter. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Bye, friend. I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.